This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ensure your next purchase is a real deal and shop authentic handbags, watches, sneakers, streetwear and jewellery from eBay, backed by Authenticity Guarantee. Visit ebay.com for terms. Well, okay, okay. There's like portobellos that are like a slight bigger version of a cremini. And then there's portobellos that are like a frisbee. And like the frisbee portobellos, like the big oyster. You know what? You have it. You know what I mean? I think I'm good with like my little dainty kumamotos, my like, you know, pinky in the air, you know, kind of whatever. Welcome back, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner, or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. If you're a meat eater, or even a pescatarian, pretty easy to get your protein. But for plant-based eaters, it can take a little more effort. And this week's caller, Michaela, is a lifelong vegetarian who's extra conscious of getting enough in her diet. My fiance and I have been trying to be pretty consistent with going to the gym over the past six months or so, but we realize we're falling pretty short on what to actually have for dinner when we get home. Michaela and her fiance Maddie are looking for ways to make their post-gym weeknight dinners a little more protein-rich, quick, and not boring. We like your tofus and your stir fries and stuff, which I know can be a little quick, but that's where my expertise ends on like how to get more protein yeah. in my diet. When you cook tofu, what are you doing to it? We kind of will do like the, you know, coat it in cornstarch and, and season it and fry it up a little bit, okay. throw it in the marinade. I tried baking it recently and that turned out pretty good, but I'm definitely not super well-versed in anything beyond frying or, or baking. I'm just going to assume, but tell me clearly, you're not looking for meat substitute-based solutions, I presume, meaning like impossible, beyond meat, those types of products. Not necessarily. If you have anything like that kind of factors into that, I definitely don't shy away from it. I wouldn't say it's something I do often. Like last night we had tacos and I used like pretend beef crumbles, but ideally maybe something not as processed. Yeah, no, I mean, understood. I was sort of assuming that like as somebody who didn't grow up eating meat, you're not looking to replicate its, you know, texture, aroma, any other characteristic of it, right? As you look for a plant-based solution. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I I try to like explain that to people a lot is like, I don't need like a pretend rib or chicken nugget or anything that does nothing for me. But if it's an ingredient I can use in something else to a different end, totally. then that's kind of fine. Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny because I feel like the labeling of these products, like labeling of plant-based meat-adjacent products has gotten to the point where if I buy a veggie burger, half the time I don't know if I'm getting something that's supposed to be like meat or if that's just truly just owning its, like, vegetable status. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, And beans, lentils. 
Yeah, love them. Yeah, you're in there? Yeah, I okay. honestly don't cook them often, though. I think probably because I just don't know how. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like lentils would make you so happy, like fast, like something with like split red lentils. Yeah. You, you've never f***ed with split red lentils? Not in something I've made. I've definitely like eaten them at restaurants or something. Yeah. I've just never, we've done like doll and yeah. stuff, like different doll recipes. Um, okay. But my, I will, I guess maybe a good time to introduce my partner's a little picky too. So sometimes I like need to do a little bit of mm-hmm. convincing on like, no, I promise, like, this will be good. Too bad you took yourself off camera. We could be communicating in semaphores and hand gestures, <laughs> you know, because he would never need to know. But it's cool. That's uh, fine. I get it. We're, we're picking yeah. up what you're putting down. Yeah. The only thing I asked him if there is anything that is definitely a no for him, ingredient-wise, and he just said, no big mushrooms. <laughs> so <laughs> there we are. Oh, I mean, if he's talking about portobellos, I mean, you know, kind of fair play. Like, I don't know. It's like a portobello is just like a mutant cremini mushroom that somebody forgot to pick. Like, it just is. (laughs) So, okay, so you've made doll. You've eaten doll. Yeah, love doll. You're not 100% sure about like beans from scratch, maybe not like your safe space. I think time is the X factor here, right? I yes, mean, and, and that's what sure. I wanted to bring the conversation back around to because, you know, I do find certain aspects of plant-based cooking, or at least just to say that, like, bringing home raw veg from, like, the green market or the grocery store, sometimes it just takes a little bit more effort to create something that's, like, kind of full-on compelling. Like, meat is convenient, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, even if it's not the optimal solution for all kinds of reasons. Well. Listen, this is this is a great problem to have. Let me think about who a good co-host would be because I think everyone I work with and so many people I interact with in the wider, you know, food media space, even if people eat meat, like they still eat many plant-based meals during the week. Yeah, that makes sense. Wonderful. We will be back in touch with some ideas and next steps and I cannot wait to continue the conversation. Great. Thank you so much. I'm I'm just really excited to to get some recommendations. For inventive but simple vegetarian recipes, I knew I had to call on one of the greats. But the great I had in mind, the wonderful Hetty Lou McKinnon, has been busy. Oh my god, in February I just could not like even handle another thing. So I appreciate you. Not no worries. When we first spoke, Hetty was in the throes of promotion for her new cookbook, Tender Heart, which is full of recipes that highlight her favorite vegetables. It's also a beautiful tribute to Hetty's late father. I've had it in my office for like a month now or something, and I just opened it up this morning. I was like, I need to spend some time with this book. And oh my God, <laughs> the introduction. I was like very emotional because I had I'd gone to the dentist and half my face was numb. And I was like reading the intro to your book and just like not even feeling the tears sliding down the right side of my face. (laughs) No, I was just like... come with a trigger warning. Don't go to the dentist (laughs) before you read it. (laughs) No, I just... The origins of, you know, kind of your interest in food and cooking and shame on me. You know, I, I, I didn't know what you know, your kind of background was rooted in. Um, oh, nobody knew, and... Chris. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. All right, I don't have to feel so bad now. Well, it's just so complex, you know. I certainly didn't mean it to be the type of book that it ended up being, but, you know, that's what manifested when I said I wanted to write a book about vegetables. So I just went yeah. with it. <laughs> 
No, I, I mean, and it's it's so great. Anyway, it, it caught me off guard, but I'm I'm so glad that it did. And, well, um, you know, I'm glad it did too. Absolutely. Well, so we're here to talk about Michaela. And, oh yes. You know, I, I just felt like Hetty, you could speak to this issue. You know, frankly, way better than I could because th- the fact is, for me. Meat still shows up on my grocery list because of just the sheer convenience of it as a protein. And I would love personally to transition to a more plant-based cooking at home. And I was just curious, you know, Michaela and her background, she's pretty adventurous when it comes to food. The only big caveat here is no, quote, big mushroom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. No portobello's. So you'll have to... Put your pen down because I'm sure you had already you already through P O R T O on your list of inspiration. Just mm-hmm. exit right out. You can sort of speak to perhaps like the speed factor in terms of just like oh you know plant based but able to kind of get it on the table fast. Yeah, um, yeah. I also think that it's almost like switching like a, a, a switch in your brain about you know, like how to cook. Like I think when people think about, oh, how do I cook vegetarian? They always think, oh, I need to replace the protein with something. And I just think mm. get rid of that altogether. It's like thinking about a meal more holistically. So Hetty and I went off to brainstorm protein-rich, but not necessarily protein-forward recipes from Michaela's post-gym routine. And we'll share them with Michaela after a short break. Hi there, I'm Deb Perlman, creator and mastermind behind Smitten Kitchen and the author of three cookbooks. And I'm Kenji Lopez-Alt. You might know me from Serious Eats, The Food Lab, and The Walk. We're both professional home cooks, which means that we create and test recipes, obsessing over them until they're just right. And on our new podcast, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb, we'll share our techniques and ingredients so that you can learn everything you need to create your own perfect recipes. From Radiotopia, from PRX. It's The Recipe. With Kenji and Deb. Out now on your favorite podcast platform. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, Michaela. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. And I am joined here today by Hetty McKinnon, famed cookbook author and recipe developer. I'll come here more often. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. Michaela, just so you're aware, Hetty is someone, you know, who's kind of been an inspiration, you know, to me as a recipe developer, but also somebody who I think like pretty much everybody at Bon Appetit is basically obsessed with. And I think Hetty is able to kind of bring a sort of like a practical and accessible approach to recipes. And in terms of plant-based cooking, I could not think of a better person in the universe to bring into this conversation. Oh my gosh, I'm honored and so excited. (laughs) 
Hi, Michaela. It's so nice to meet you. And I'm so excited about your problem. Oh, well, I'm glad someone's excited about it. (laughs) It's not really a problem. (laughs) It's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Well, Hetty, I would just love for you to present your dishes first, if you could, and just give a little background on the dish, why it makes sense, and however much you feel like saying about how each one comes together. Well, basically, Michaela, your problem, which we're viewing as an opportunity today, is basically every person's issue, right? Everybody wants to cook dinner quickly, but deliciously, nobody wants to sacrifice flavor. And I think from a vegetarian point of view, which I also am, I've been a vegetarian a very long time, it is always finding that balance, you know? So it's having those particular ingredients in your pantry that's going to help you cook dinner really quickly. And as you go on, it's going to become like a repertoire. So, I mean, the first recipe that sprang to mind almost immediately when Chris came to me with your issue was the sesame tofu with broccoli, which is a recipe that I developed for BA. But it is just a great example of kind of two base ingredients like tofu and broccoli. So you've got your protein, you've got like quite a lot of vegetable in there, and then just a sauce that's going to bring it all together. And I think those three elements are really how I cook most nights. It's, you know, like there's two elements and then there's a sauce. The sauce is such a big part of vegetarian cooking because that's where your flavor is going to come in. Your tofu is dusted in cornstarch, although you can use other starches if you have in your pantry. And what that's going to do is obviously give make it crispy, which is wonderful because it brings texture in and texture is very important in vegetarian cooking. And then we kind of pan fry some broccoli and then the sauce is a sesame sauce. Now, now the dish is initially inspired by sesame chicken, you know, the, the great Chinese-American but I've Mm. turned it into a vegetarian version. And the sauce is, the restaurant version of the sauce is quite sweet. It's very brown. But what I've done with it is, and it completely makes sense, it's a sesame dressing, has sesame oil, but I've added tahini to it. Now, tahini is one of these wonderful vegetarian uh, ingredients because it adds like this kind of instant lusciousness you bring that kind of creamy, nuttiness, earthiness, and it just makes everything feel more luxurious. So that's what I love about it, tahini as an ingredient. So that's my first recipe suggestion. Any questions? Ooh, I I don't know if this spoils anything, but I think we have made that one before. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> well, then Hedy's no, already won. If Case it's the closed. recipe I'm thinking of, it's definitely a fan favorite in this house. But although I haven't actually tried it in the scenarios that I'm needing help with, which is like a quick, you know, after gym, which I guess it would it would work really well for that. I don't know why that hasn't occurred to me before. <laughs> this is a great recipe, just full stop. And this, this was one that... You know, Hetty originally developed for Basically, which was sort of like a sub-brand that we ran as a its own standalone website for several years. And, you know, kind of looking at the foundations of cooking and giving folks who might not be the most confident cooks gifts or gifs. I'm just still not clear on how we even pronounce that word, if it's even a word or if it's an acronym. I don't know. But basically, it gives you these stepped out, you know, kind of very short videos that you can watch to kind of really just see the dish literally coming together. And this dish is like, to me, this is peak 
heady. Not like you peaked with this dish, but just like this is the apogee of the manifestation of your talents that you're able to pull all these different threads in, right? And, you know, you're kind of looking, yeah, I mean, like sesame chicken, sure. And yet, like, there's maple syrup in there or dark brown sugar. You're not, like, beholden to, like, an overly narrow definition of that dish or or really often, like, any dish seemingly, you know. And the tahini is giving, like, as Hetty said, you know, like, the lusciousness. And I think, like, everything in here is working really hard for you. And I, I think, you know, obviously you both are, are plant-based cooks, right? But I think it's just a really important reminder to folks who are used to cooking animal proteins at home. Cooking a piece of tofu, just generally speaking, like it just requires a little bit more intention, you know, in order to kind of build that fat and that lusciousness in there. Anyway, I just, I I love that you brought up this recipe. So... Without further ado, I'll let you carry on. <laughs> well, now I get another go because Michaela's already cooked that dish. My next dish is part of a meal prep story that I did. And it was about like kind of taking one base ingredient and how you would use that ingredient during the week. And in this case, I chose to do cashew cream. And cashew cream is this wonderful, just do it all. It's controversial to say, but I think it's better than cream because it frankly has more flavor. You know, it is sweeter, it's Mm. nuttier, it's earthier, it has actually more body. So a part of this story was a recipe called creamy cashew udon with mushrooms. Oh, that sounds so good. (laughs) It is so good. And it's like, you know, during the week, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I mean, I'm not a huge fan of just eating like this big cream-based meal, but you sometimes want that kind of luxury. So this is kind of like cheats luxury. Your protein is going to come from the cashews. I mean, cashews are a huge source of protein. It's one of the protein-rich nuts out there. So the idea behind the story, the overall package was you make cashew cream at the start of the week and during the week, this is one of the meals that you can make with it. So your cashew cream actually becomes like the sauce that wraps around your chubby udon noodles. And then it's as simple as like pan frying some mushrooms, not big mushrooms, because I know you don't like big mushrooms, (laughs) but this is just, you know, small (laughs) mushrooms, regular size mushrooms. And that's basically the dish. It is so delicious. We can finish it off with, you know, a bit of black vinegar, a bit of soy sauce, some chili oil if you want. And then that just brings in that acidity. And I think for me, acidity is always very important at the end of the dish because it just brings it to life, right? Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I always bring like an extra side of vinegar or lime juice or something with me once I sit down because I feel like I'll always need to add a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that's such a great thing to remember. It's like all those different elements. It's not like just you've finished cooking and that's it, you know, like season quite aggressively. The acid is is very important, as you say. So that's, um, I don't know if you've tried that dish, but that's another one that I would recommend. And it's so super easy because I think when cashew cream first became a thing, most recipes told you to soak it for six hours. Or even overnight. Or overnight. Yeah. And the joy of cashew cream is that it's one of the softer nuts. So it really doesn't require, you could get away with no soaking. And in that case, I will use boiling water or like a hot water just to kind of soften the out the exterior of the nut quicker. So it's really quick. And then the two there's two other dishes that go as part of this package. All the recipes are on VA. But the other one was like a broccoli soup and you kind of stir the cashew cream in. So basically you get this creamy broccoli soup without any cream. 
Um, and the other application was you use it in a, in a salad, almost like a salad dressing. I think I've added herbs to it. So it becomes like this green, luscious, creamy, nutty dressing. And I've served it with like roasted carrots and chickpeas. So there's some ideas there. Wow. <laughs> like one of the three recipes I cheated. So <laughs> All of that sounds so good. And will get me through the week too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, all's fair in cooking, right? Isn't that what they say? Um, and do you have a preferred brand of black vinegar that is like your go-to or do you do you employ like multiple types and styles? Okay. So black vinegar is such an underused acid. I think it's so unique because it has this even extra umami in there. It's kind of deeper, almost caramelly. I've got two varieties in my pantry. One is the chinkeng the one that everyone mm-hmm. kind of knows. And then the other one is actually a Japanese brand, which I don't even, I bought it from a Japanese supermarket. don't even know the brand, but it's, um, it's, it's fantastic. It's a little bit sweeter than the Chinking, but both are great. And I kind of use them interchangeably. I'm not a very precious cook, Chris and Michaela. I, I tend to riff off my own things and I am the queen of just using what's there. I will say all of this is thrilling to me in the sense of getting so many new just ingredient ideas. I consider or I guess considered myself a vinegar aficionado and I now feel ashamed because I don't have um, anything that you mentioned and I'm really excited with, for an excuse to go. We have a huge um, Asian supermarket not too far away and I'm always looking for an excuse to go there and look for the ingredients I can't find maybe as readily in my local shops. I'm excited. I, I think there's nothing more exciting than going to any supermarket, but particularly an Asian one. But I think that you have to go uh, with an idea in mind because sometimes it's overwhelming. I get overwhelmed in those supermarkets too because there's just so much and so much choice. Well, I mean, I think we all know probably whose recipe you're going to go with. And that's why I just wanted to, like, honestly hear Petty talk a little bit. But, you know, here's what I was, like, my strategy, if you can even call it that, in terms of this, like, competition, in quotes, was to offer you something phenomenally specific, Michaela, because... Hattie's recipes are great, you know, and the thing that I wanted to mention, you know, from my end, what I wanted to propose to you is, is, is as much a technique as a recipe. And this shows up in several places and recipes that we've done over the past, you know, five or six years, I'd say. And it is the crispy chickpea. Making your own crispy chickpeas, I'm not talking about like drying them out to the point where they're like a kind of commercially available, almost like children's snack food, you know, where they almost become like a wasabi pea in in texture, right? I'm talking about, you know, a chickpea that is simply cooked out in a reasonable amount of fat until it is crisp around the outside, concentrated, offers a lovely kind of two-tone texture, you know, with that warm kind of soft, you know, creamy interior. And it can be finished in any number of ways, right? So like at the very end, once they're almost at their kind of optimal point of crispiness, I will drop in like a tablespoon of za'atar or another kind of spice blend. I've used like chopped masala. I've used like the burlap and barrel vindaloo spice blend. I mean, all kinds, like it's sky's the limit. I'll often put in either a whole clove or two of garlic you know, just to sort of fry out in the last few minutes, or I'll even use garlic 
and onion powder, which does so well in this application, just for building up that little bit of savory umami kind of character all throughout the chickpeas. And also the addition of the the dry spice just kind of gives you even more of that sort of crackly exterior coating. And so I wanted to highlight one recipe out of the many we've done in the in recent years that employs this technique. And this is from March 2021 issue of Bon Appetit. This is the tuna salad with crispy chickpeas by my former colleague, Andy Baragani. The treatment of the chickpeas is like wildly simple here, but it could offer a template, you know, for just like, you know, ways you can kind of riff and you know, from a protein perspective, it's pretty awesome. Like sometimes I'll just make crispy chickpeas as a stand-in for croutons in a salad, and it kind of almost fills that void. So that's, I wanted to go small. I knew there was no out-headying heady, but um, <laughs> I figured I could at least like get in there with like a very small technique that, you know, just when I'm at my wit's end and I'm just like stymied for what to do for dinner, opening up a can of chickpeas is a really solid play. Oh, that also sounds amazing. I It's funny, I eat chickpeas constantly, but I think I've only tried to make them crispy once and like did a bad job and got scared and just like haven't done it since. <laughs> but this is giving me like, yeah, whole new inspiration. We've been on a big Zatar kick recently. So when you said that, that was really oh, nice. exciting to me. Some Zatar and yeah. some garlic powder and some mm. onion powder. Oh, man. Forget about it. And maybe a little extra glug of olive oil at the end just to make sure you're really blooming those spices. Can I add something here, Chris? I absolutely, absolutely. love crispy chickpea. Oh, yeah. And I discovered something recently. And the recipe is actually in my new book, Tender Heart. And what I do is I actually dust them in chickpea flour, garbanzo oh. flour. Oh, <laughs> light bulb is going off. Ah. Um, it's kind of like a cheats version, but it just adds, they, they do become way crispier. So it's perhaps a slightly different finish to what you're talking about, but it's extra crispy chickpeas. And so that's just my little tip I wanted to throw chickpeas in. Chickpeas on chickpeas. Yes. <laughs> yes. That seems illegal somehow, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie doesn't have to follow the rules. Uh, um, I don't follow the rules. But, you know, Michaela, I hope you've got lots of inspiration from today and stay in touch. And I want to hear all the things that you're going to be cooking with these ingredients and what yeah. we've talked about today. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, good luck. We can't wait to hear what you end up cooking. And um, yeah, to be continued hopefully soon. All right. It's been so nice talking to you, Michaela. Yeah, thank you. It was wonderful meeting you. So we sent Michaela off with an armful of vegetarian recipes. Hetty's sesame tofu with broccoli, her creamy cashew udon with crispy mushrooms, and the broccoli and cashew cream soup. Plus my choice, the crispy chickpea preparation from the tuna salad with crispy chickpeas. After another short break, we'll find out how Michaela and her fiance got the post-gym protein they're craving. Hey listeners, Chris Morocco here. If you find yourself in a dinner crisis, the Epicurious app comes to the rescue. Not only will you unlock over 50,000 recipes from Bon Appetit and Epicurious, but you'll also receive daily personalized recommendations based on your unique preferences and dietary needs. Head to the Apple App Store and download the Epicurious app to kickstart your seven-day free trial today. 
don't miss out on this culinary adventure. Start your free trial and let the Epicurious app be your kitchen hero. Happy cooking. I've been so excited about this conversation. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you've cooked, Michaela. Is it the competition aspect, Hetty, or are you oh. just like you just like talking to people about food? I just love talking to people about food. I forgot that it was a competition. Same, you see? same. <laughs> <laughs> We're mates. I won't be competitive with you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I guess let's see, Michelle. Do you want to roll the tape for us? Hi, Chris and Hetty. This is Michaela, and Maddie's here too. Hello. Um. We love all of your recipes, so we'll probably end up making them all at some point. But we figured we'd start with the sesame tofu. Hi, it's Michaela and Maddie again. Uh, today, we're going for the creamy cashew udon noodles. Okay, back again for, I think, our final recipe out of this list, the broccoli and cashew cream soup. <laughs> I did want to throw in that I did not neglect the crispy chickpeas. We didn't really find a way to work them into a full meal, but I've been going wild with making them as like a lunchtime snack and it's been great. <laughs> I feel like I broke every rule. It's okay. There are no rules. Oh, I love those voice messages. They're awesome. We went a little overboard. But that's that's great though. How, like, who is that joining you? That was Maddie. That's my fiance. He's he's the picky one. So okay. I feel like that was internally for me. The like, I'll eat anything. I don't care. Will Maddie eat it? That was right. like the uh, big question for me. Was like the winner was kind of whichever one he liked the most that I could get away with making often. We all have a Maddie in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I think a Maddie makes us better cooks. Actually. That's true. More creative. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we all have to satisfy Maddie. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't tell him that, though. Oh, he's going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what did pass muster with Maddie? Everything pretty much passed. The mushrooms were definitely the point that I was like, <laughs> I, I know he'll try it because, like, we're doing this whole thing with you guys. But, but that I was, was with the creamy cashew udon, right? Yes. So, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot to love there, even if you're, like, nudging the mushrooms to the side. Like, you would still have a very compelling mouthful. Absolutely. And other reactions, you or Maddie, you know, from, like, the sesame tofu or the, the broccoli soup. So we did start with the sesame tofu just because I think I said last time we do actually make that a lot and it's one of our favorite recipes anyways, nice. but we had never tested it in the setting of like, all right, we're home from the gym. We got to jump in the shower. We need to like mm. divvy up our tasks. And it worked pretty well. I mean, even though we knew what it tasted like and we knew we loved it, it, it definitely opened our eyes to like, yeah, this actually is a great recipe for this specific use case. I think the time-consuming part of that recipe is the um, the pan frying of the, the tofu because you kind of have to brown all the sides. But, you know, if you really wanted to step away and go for a shower and you didn't want to tend to the tofu, you could put it in the oven. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, it's a very similar technique, but um, what I do if I'm feeling like that and I just don't want to stand over a pan, um, I actually just kind of uh, coat the 
the cubes in the oil and then put it in the, the cornstarch. And then you can just put that in the oven like like 400 for like 15, 20 minutes and it will get crispy in there. Okay. Would you do the broccoli in the oven as well then? You absolutely could. I mean, at some point you have to get out a pan or something to do the sauce. Yeah. But you could almost turn this into a sheet pan recipe. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different option and every day brings different requirements. You know, some days you you want to do something like where you're using your hands and you're really engaged in every single process and every single step of the recipe. And sometimes you just want to leave it alone, walk away and come back. When I'm in the kitchen, I'm very intuitive and I am, I do kind of go with how I'm feeling on that particular day. So, um, yeah. What do you do, yeah. Chris? <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's exactly the same for me. Mm. I, I can't follow a recipe. Are you kidding? I'm like the worst person to like double check anybody else's work on like a recipe basis. Like I cannot help myself from just like compensating for every situation in which I say to myself, okay, I I wouldn't quite do it that way. Or there's another method that works better for me in my context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think as like recipe writers and recipe developers, I always want people who cook my recipes to actually go off and do their own thing. Like that is for me the greatest success that I've you know, being able to coach someone to have that confidence in the kitchen, to riff off my recipes, to do it their way. I think that is my, actually one of my big goals in all the recipes that I write. Mm, yeah. Dare I ask, so you, you mentioned the crispy chickpeas as a snack. Did Like when you say like you weren't quite able to incorporate them into a meal, what, is, what does that mean? Talk to me more about that. I think as far as this process went, I like just didn't, delve into the world of okay I'm making these crispy chickpeas like what is a what is a meal that can go with um for dinner for this specific instance but then I had crispy chickpeas on the mind and I love to snack during the day and I really really love like salt and vinegar flavor Mm. so I like mush the idea of crispy chickpeas with salt and vinegar so I was like soaking the chickpeas in vinegar like for half a day ahead of time and then crisping them up and that was like my my big snack of the week threw in the the zatar, like you said, Chris. It yeah. was like the perfect salty, tangy little snack. I'm quite fixated on Michaela. You saying you soaked your chickpeas in vinegar for half a day. I can't yeah. move beyond that. That sounds incredible because I'm also <laughs> a salt and vinegar fan. So I'm going to be doing that. I'll put vinegar on everything. I, anything that even stuff that shouldn't have vinegar on it. Like as a hard rule, I still will try to put vinegar on oh. it just because why not? I can't think of anything that wouldn't benefit from vinegar, actually. Right? So fun. Well, so, Michaela, where are we going from here? You know, like, are (laughs) do you feel like you have what you need? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. We didn't even talk about the soup yet, but I feel like that one actually ended up being like fan favorite. Oh, really? Around, yeah. Which was I was very very surprised, both by myself and by Maddie actually really really loving it. And honestly, that one was like. It was a very easy one to like just kind of leave unattended for a little bit. So cool. I have a, actually have another vegetable suggestion. I was thinking, I've been thinking the whole time, what could we use? What could we use instead of mushrooms? <laughs> I think you could use just a big bunch of greens like spinach or yeah. like kale because I love anything where I can use a whole bunch of greens because it makes me feel very virtuous. But I feel like if you don't want to use the mushrooms, you could just melt some spinach through there and make it super green, like a different That's a take great on idea. it. I think yeah. it would be very, very good. You could also blanch the kale, you know, in mm. your pasta cooking liquid and then yeah. blend it. You could puree it. You could hide it. 
you know, it could just be bright green, you know, right? Like (laughs) Maddie won't have a Maddie will never know, right? (laughs) It's like when you when y'all mentioned like, oh, everyone's got a Maddie. It's like, yeah, but for me, it's like it's like how an atom can exist in multiple places at the same time. Like Maddie is like flitting wildly amongst and erratically between like the three main people in my life at home, (laughs) and I never know like who's gonna be the Maddie about Mm. the thing. You know, I feel like I have to throw in here like he's not like he's not probably as picky as I'm making him sound. He's very particular. Like he has his <laughs> list of, of no's. But overall, he's a very adventurous eater. So I will I just feel like I need to give him the credit. There. Oh, oh, totally. We're, we're no, it, this is like a metaphor for other things, you exactly. know, just happen to be using his name and referring yeah. to him multiple times, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Huge thank you and extra credit to Michaela and Maddie for cooking literally everything we suggested. With apologies to Maddie for taking your name in vain. But before we wrapped, we had to know which recipe was their favorite post-gym meal. Here's Maddie. I mean, I do have to say, if I'm judging it on all three of them, the tofu is still (laughs) my favorite. Far and away my favorite. I love this dish so much. Yeah, that one's hard to beat. It's so good. But it's still nice to have two other ones that we can add into our rotation. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode the sesame tofu with broccoli, her creamy cashew udon with crispy mushrooms, the broccoli and cashew cream soup, and the tuna salad with crispy chickpeas on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the app store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Hetty Lou McKinnon. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Leah Kasher is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal makes this episode. Thanks to Jason Sill for production support. Next week, we help Caitlin make a crispy, delicious pizza that can satisfy her family's gluten-free, egg-free needs. Any of the like doughs I've tried to make at home are either too dry, they're too sticky, they're hard to work with, they break. I can't seem to get pizza to work. I think Michaela, you should be the host. I, mean, I know, I'm just heady. Like everyone always does this to me. They're like, yeah, I just like I'm a terrible cook. I can't do anything. But it's just like, oh yeah, no. I mean, I make sourdough. I mean, like, because who doesn't? <laughs> Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the test kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's SOS20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. 
happy cooking. And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self-destructs.